Here's the thing. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Turns you on when I use big words. Somnolent. Yeah. Credenza. <laughs> a somnolent credenza Cap- sounds like you're capitulate. talking about Beauty and the Beast. Oh. Um, R.I.P. Somnolent credenza. <laughs> he got chopped up and turned into firewood when the villagers stormed the castle. Yes. He had a whole thing. Hey, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Yes. We are talking, of course, about Disney's live action The Lion King. Out in theaters now. With um, some sort of singer that I think some people know. I Tina wa- Turner. It's Tina Turner. That's right. It's Big T. Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. Tina Turner is uh, Nala, I believe. Yep. Oh, and uh, yeah, we're here with a mini-sode. Daniel is going to go close the door. I'm going to go close the door because the dog's going to talk to the cats the whole damn time. Yep. She's going to record her own mini-sode. We are uh, bringing you a mini-sode with some listener. I always want to call it viewer mail like you're watching something. Listener mail. And then we got a couple hell yes. And so uh, Daniel is going to read our... I'm back. (laughs) He ran. Our house house is huge. It's seven stories. (laughs) But hey, I'm just fortunate. I live my life. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and read our mail. Remember, we are not using last names. Are we using first names? Yes, we're using first names, but we're not using last names. Okay. This this viewer slash listener slash reader slash fan mail came from a gentleman named Price. Is it Prince? It might be Prince. I think it's Bryce. Prose. Yeah. Purse. Yeah. Purse. 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 Thank you, Price? Purse. Thanks, Price Purse. Anyway. He says, hey, Dan and Tracy, longtime listener, first time emailer here. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Judging from both of your movie prowesses and just due to the theme of the pod in general, I doubted you were ever going to cover some of the more popular films in cinematic history in any real detail. That said, after hearing your thorough thrashing of a holiday classic love actually on your mini pod this morning. No regrets. We're going to have to agree to disagree on love actually. I genuinely thought that you were joking when you got mad that we did not like love actually yeah but hey we love you man so yeah uh you continue quote i realized maybe the mini pods might be a way to sneak in some of the my lingering questions about movie lore to two experts i think that's a great idea i hate to tell you that i am not an expert so that's a bummer for you i'm and real sorry i will tell you that i am an expert she's good enough for two experts though. in anything i want so there you go so you're good you solid one for two yep my first question is below keep up the good work and the question is about the fugitive 1993 oh. which again such a good movie. It's one of the best. We're going to be gushing about it We're right gonna now. Be, it's it's going to be gushed-tastic. If you haven't seen it, my goodness, what have you been doing with your what, time? Where? Who are you? See The Fugitive. Anyway, he writes, In The Fugitive, the absolute classic thriller from the early 90s, agreed. Indeed. Dr. Richard Kimball, played to perfection by Harrison Ford, is yes. accused and convicted of murdering his wife. Kimball escapes a prison bus transport in one of the sickest action scenes of the 90s. Which? Also true cost a million dollars to film and they only shot it in one take 
and you can see the wreckage still today. Because they used a real train. They used they a just real blew train. that thing up. That's, That's the nineties, man. That's trivia for you. You can stuff that CG where the sun don't shine. We, we blow up real trains in America exactly. in the nineties. <laughs> Build an extra train and blow it up. I don't care. Anyway. One take. Uh. Anyway, he escapes the prison transport and sets off a manhunt led by U.S. Marshal Sam Gerard, played by Tommy Lee Jones in an Oscar-winning performance. Indeed. If your listeners haven't seen this movie, they probably shouldn't be your listeners. That's him. I, I, <laughs> I didn't say that. Purse has his opinions. Yep. Anyhow, here's my question. Kimball returns to his hometown of Chicago to start putting the pieces of this mystery together. There, he runs into his supposed friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Nichols, and asks for money. Now... It's revealed, of course, that it was Nichols himself who set Kimball up in order to hit on his wife, all in an effort to deceive the FDA and make money off of a faulty drug. I'm going to stop you right there, Purse. You're wrong. The hit was actually supposed to be on Kimball, and the wife part was an accident. Yeah, so, it upset him. Um, that was actually not uh, that was not actually part of the hit. The wife was an accident. So anyway. you're, you're mistaken there. P-Man continues. But at that stage, nobody suspects Nichols of anything, neither Kimball nor the Marshalls. After his interaction with Kimball, Nichols goes about his business instead of immediately calling the cops. Why didn't Nichols immediately tell Gerard where Kimball was? Why didn't he try to take Kimball to his house under the guise of helping him, then turn him in because he, quote, didn't want to see him get hurt or some bullshit like that? Literally, the only way Nichols's plan would be found out is by Kimball, so why take the risk? It makes for a great movie because you're thrown off of Nichols as a suspect, but it's unbelievable as a motive for the character himself. He could have even called it in anonymously, shedding any potential suspicion raised from him turning in a friend. Interested in your POV here, The Fugitive is a nearly perfect movie for me. The acting, the pace, the supporting characters, the music, the environments, etc. But this always bugs me. Nichols could have wrapped it up with one phone call. Sincerely Price. Okay. Thanks for the letter, P-Man. Excellent letter, and we would love... And thank you for bringing up, again, an amazing movie that we all love. We would love more of those. Here is what you are not going to like. Now, um, a little bit about The Fugitive, um, directed by Andrew Davis. We'll get back to that. Oh, I can't wait. I know. You know I'm freaking psyched to get back to Andrew I Davis. I know you are, and I'm going to give that to you. But screen <laughs> screenplay by marginally by David Tui, but then brought in, they brought in Jeb Stewart and they were like, can you basically rewrite this entire thing? Jeb Stewart, who wrote, wait for my husband's squeal, die hard. It's a, okay. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's a pillar it's the of Hollywood cinema. You will ever see him in his life. It's, it's, it's forget our wedding. It is a, our wedding was like a top three moment, but yeah. die hard is die hard. Yeah. Like, it's diehard. Yeah. No, I understand. Listen, I would leave you for Paul McCartney, so we really can't say anything. Understandable. Um, I believe that if you sat down with Jeb Stewart and said, and asked him that question, he would say what uh, Daniel has said to me, what we have said to each other, and what I'm sure you've heard before, which is, if that happened, then we wouldn't have a movie. And by that, you're saying, in answer to Price's question, if Nichols had seen Kimball come back to town and just turned him in right away, yeah. there wouldn't be a movie. Yeah. There wouldn't be a movie. Mm -hmm. um, now, it could be argued that um, Nichols gave him the money because he wanted him to... He, Nichols doesn't know that he is investigating yet. 
I think he That's finds true. Out. Yeah. Kimball comes back to town and is trying to get in touch with the people from his old life. Kimball does not suspect Nichols at this point either. And Kimball proses, right. proposes as a, a homeless man washing windows. Right. And Nichols gives him some money. Right. But what I was going to say is uh, it could be that what was going through Nichols' mind was okay, if I give him money, he disappears and this is over. Whereas if I call the cops and he gets taken back into custody and he starts the appeal process and he starts digging into it, then I could be exposed. And this all happened very fast. It was not, I mean, yes, afterwards he could have been like, I should call and tell them. But again, I really think a, there wouldn't have been a movie. I really think that Jeb Stewart's like, I just, I have to, I have to do something. Um, was it the right thing? I don't know. But we had to be introduced to Nichols somehow with his weird uh, Dutch accent. Not Nothing against the Dutch. I no. love you all. But he just, his accent was super weird in this movie. Super weird. I have never seen that person in before my, in my life. My life. In my life in my before. Life before. Who, in my life before. I've never seen that person, person in, in my, my life, life before. before. Yeah. Person. 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 Anyway, I apologize to any Dutch listeners. I'm gonna, we're gonna find that clip, I think, if I can. I hope so. I've never seen a person in my life before. Um, but you, I think it's either just this is just the shit that that you have to go through making a movie and hope that people are not gonna be super anal retentive like we are a bit. Um, or there was a greater purpose to it. And he was thinking that Nichols didn't want, didn't want uh, Kimball to be found. He wanted him to disappear. And that way his problem is solved and he can get RDU 90 Provasic. 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 I'm shaking my finger like Harrison Ford. Yeah, you so can't that he see. can get, they can have their Provasic. Yeah. Um, I, I think it makes a good point. I think it's tricky. Uh, Price's question is great. Yes. It's a, it's a great question and a great observation that in 26 years of loving this movie, I never thought about. You really didn't? Never thought about it. Never oh noticed it. Oh, my gosh. Never We've came. always talked about it. Oh. No, never, never noticed it. Never thought about it. I think it's probably because they needed a way to get Kimball not only back into town communicating with the people from his old life, but they needed him and Nichols to cross paths somehow. Yeah. yeah. And so now... Kimball has reached out to Nichols. Nichols knows that Kimball is alive and escaped. He knows Kimball's a problem because he they were going to kill this guy. But it's just one of those things that, like, how do we get these guys to cross paths? And how do we get Nichols to know Kimball is back on the loose? Yeah, Price, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your mind a little more. It's going to make you even more angry. Um, once Nichols finds out that... Uh, Kimball's back in town, he actually also signs orders allowing Kimball to get liver samples. So he's actually helping him um, figure out the mystery. Now, this is when he gets the one-armed man involved and is like, you've got to take this guy out. Um, but that's another one where you're like, why the hell did you do that? Because it would have drawn attention. Like, I'm sure Richard would yeah. have been like, why won't you give me... Um, yeah, it's tricky. Access, but it's all it's it's a uh, it's spinning plates, man. And it's tricky. You got to think about the fact that, man, spinning plates is really the best thing I can think of. You're trying to you're trying to have this uh, action packed thriller that actually has a decent story. I read. You know a, what I think of it as? What I think of it as like the misdirection in a magic trick. 
Like look over here. It it keeps the energy going. It keeps the pace going. It keeps the film moving at a steady clip. It gets the characters to cross paths and interact. Otherwise, uh, Kimball and Nichols wouldn't interact as much or at all until the end. So I, I understand why. I mean, you could have the marshals come to Nichols's office and say, there was a prison break. You know, Kimball's on the loose. Have you seen him before? And they do. And that's and Nichols, Nichols owns up. Nichols tells the marshals, I saw him and I gave him some money. Yeah. So he, I think Nichols, I think it can be, it's a fair read to say Nichols is a very crafty, crafty customer. Yes. Like he sees Richard come back, doesn't do anything about it. The marshals ask if he's seen him, and he says, yeah, I saw him and gave him some money. Yeah. So, like, he's actually being way more transparent than you'd expect a villain to be, and that throws the scent off of him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I no, think that's a good point. I think it's a fair read to say that he's a just a very crafty, crafty bad guy. Yeah, yeah. That person in my life. That person in my life. Also, you know what I always admire? I was he's also... talking th- about the... Uh, he's talking about... Um, Lens. Yeah, I they're think. showing him like a photo Lens. lineup of something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's something. Who inter- he also had killed. Interesting. The character of Doctor Nichols was recast for for you know who was originally cast in that role? Uh, someone who died. Yes, an actor named Richard Jordan. And if you don't know the name, you know who he is. He played uh, Secretary Advisor Doctor Jeffrey Pelt in The Hunt for Red October. Oh. He also played the. Da- uh, boss slash uncle in The Secret of My Success. Oh, I didn't know he died. I love Richard him. Jordan. He actually died in the fall of 93, not long after the movie came out. You lost another submarine? Andre. Andre. You lost another submarine? You lost another submarine? We could spend I'm all a, night talking I'm about a, the Unfred October, too. I'm a politician, which means when I'm not kissing babies, I'm stealing the candy. Yeah. <laughs> But it also means I keep my options open. But it open. also means I keep my I keep my options open. Man, do you want R.I.P. a recreation of the Hunt for Red October tonight with props? We I'll will fucking do it. Do it. We will with no prompting. With no prompting. No, with no ass. No I don't even care if you stop listening. I'm gonna do the whole movie. You, you speak English. Get yes. your butt over here. Get your butt over here. This is gonna be a four-hour podcast. This is I don't be even a care. They're like, I was just asking about the fugitive, and they just went off. Oh, hey, oh, the fugitive. Yes, tie-in. Alec Baldwin was considered for this role, was considered for the role of Kimball. Yes. Along with Nick Nolte. Too um, old. Michael um, Douglas. Michael Douglas. And, and your boy from Poster, Posterville, Kevin Costner. Oh, Kevin Heaven. Tell him about Kevin Heaven. Well, I have no shame, so of course I'll tell him no about shame? Kevin Heaven. No uh, shame? I, when I was in seventh grade, was madly in love with two people Andrew Dodson what's up Andrew hi Andrew he's a real person he's that's not an actor <laughs> you're like who's that what was he was he like a, a, a nerd on Saved by the Bell one week nope that's a real human being <laughs> I don't care he knew it I called him all look the him time. up on Facebook Andrew but Dodson no, don't, don't do that don't do that come on that's okay. not cool that's not cool um no Andrew Dodson and Kevin Costner and um one one maybe I'll bleep that. Should I not have said his name? No, it's not. We're not saying anything slanderous. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't want people to bother him. No, he's a sweet man. Don't bother Andrew. Um. So one day, my best friend Elizabeth and I went to the library. This tells you how old I am. Went to the library and checked out every single periodical we could find that had um Kevin Costner in it. Xeroxed his pictures. 
then cut them out and mounted them on cardboard and then also cut out the words Kevin Heaven. And then that summer when we went to Crested Butte for the summer, we put it up on the wall so that every day we could see Kevin Costner in all his different roles. In Kevin Heaven. In Kevin Heaven. What I love about that, aside from everything, is that it's a <laughs> remarkably cost-effective way to get your yayas off in seventh grade. You didn't have any money for magazines, so you're, you're stuck there. But you also weren't vandals, and you weren't going to steal the photos from the magazines. No. You very respectfully Xeroxed them. Yes, we And then did. mounted them on the wall. Yes, we did. That was very proper. Kevin Other girls Heaven. need Kevin Heaven, too. You can't steal that this for yourself. That's what I'm saying. That's responsible and respectful. Well, I tried. Mm-hmm. I still love Kevin Costner. I will always Who love don't? Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, and I a will man. never forgive my father for sitting next to him at a baseball game at University of Texas and saying nothing to him when he could have said, "My daughter is madly in love with you. Could I get your autograph?" Do you think that would have like that? That was the intro that you needed to be with Kevin Costner. Yeah, well, clearly. That's that was that one obstacle. Clearly. Oh, that's a shame. That's a road not taken moment right there. You know, I. Try not to dwell on these things. <laughs> um, I still think that I would have been an amazing wife for Paul McCartney after Sweet Linda passed. I was blonde. I was a photographer. And I didn't eat meat. So what more do you want? But instead, he went after that crazy bitch with one leg who then uh, just married him for his money, divorced him, and had the biggest... Divorce settlement in history until. Bezos. Do you remember when this baseball game was with your dad and Kevin Costner? Uh, God, that would have been. It would have been around that time. Is the door closed? The gates closed. Cl- will you close the okay, door? Hercules on. has. He's been announcing. Hercules himself. has decided. These fucking cats, man! I don't These know. Fucking rescue. Yes, rescue animals. It's great, but God no, no, damn no. it! Listen, I don't know if any of you listen to my favorite murder, which is my very favorite podcast. But I think about um, I think about Elvis and Mimi when uh, Hercules just starts yelling, and I'm like, he might as well be a Siamese the way he is. He hears us, and he's like, I want to be a part of this. Let me be a part of this. Anyway, we got totally off track oh, with no, Kevin hold on. Costner. Hold on, I was going to ask a question. I was oh, going to point something out yes. because about when the baseball game was, Kevin Costner, he's on his second wife, but. He divorced his first wife in 1994, married his second in 2004. I so if the shot. baseball game happened between 1994 no, and 2004. No, it was before that, I think. Oh, it was before 94? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, then I, it might not have worked. It might not have worked. Uh, I tried just now. You did. I Thank tried you. to manipulate time and space for you. You did. Um, so I read this great article in preparation for this from the AV Club, RIP. They're still around. I thought they were gone. No, they're still around. They still publish. Who's all, who's gone? The dissolve is gone. The dissolve is gone. Okay. Yeah. Well, R. sorry, AV Club. Um, written by Tom Bryhan. Brian, Tom, Tom, how are you doing? Tom Barshern. I don't really know your name. Tom Barshern. Um, and he talks about how uh, the action blockbusters of the 80s made a ton of money, but they always looked and moved like B-movies. And it wasn't until the 90s when we got these actual, what does he call it? Well, fashionable, respectable movies. I mean, The Fugitive was nominated for Best Picture 
Yeah, it's a movie for grown-ups. Do you think Under Siege would have been nominated for Best Picture? Why did you bring up the movie Under Siege, I wonder, just now? Well... It's directed by the same man, Andrew Davis. Exactly. Jacques. <laughs> this was actually a, a really big deal for him because he had done these kind of, uh, and that's why he brought in Tommy Lee Jones, who was also in. Who was in Under Siege, Under Siege. and fucking chews the walls. He's so it's, good. It's Tommy Lee. And have you seen Under Siege? No, I believe that's going to be one of my films that you're going to show it me. It just might have to be at this point. Yeah. No, but what I was going to say is they brought this guy in who's used to dealing with like a smaller budget and stuff. And they're like, here, do you want a million dollars for a train wreck? And he's like, holy God. (laughs) And I honestly think that's why the movie was so good was Mm -hmm. they didn't have some hot shot. They've got this guy who came in and was like, uh, well, um, I just started my career, basically. Um, It has this kind of propulsive meat and potatoes, classic Hollywood adventure vibe. Like, it's not too showy, it's not too fluffy, but it's also really well-directed. Like, he's, he doesn't go over the top with it, but there's lots of great sequences, lots of great setups, lots of great shots. The parade scene. Yeah, this is what on. he says. This is what uh, Tom Bryan says. The Fugitive Stands Today is a great example of a veteran, low-budget action director putting every trick he'd ever learned into a slick Hollywood product. Working with the sort of actors who could convey serious human emotions in quick and often wordless ways while he kept the pace relentless and the set pieces spectacular. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, Harrison Ford was already an action star. And then you have, then you have uh, Jones just like. Killing it. Killing it. You know, I think it's no accident that the screenplay was. Don't let him give you any shit about your ponytail. What are you doing? Thinking. Well, think me up with donut with some of those sprinkles on top. (laughs) Thinking. So fucking good. No, I think it's no accident that the screenplay was reworked by the gentleman who did Die Hard because there's a lot of similarity between the two movies. You've got an embattled protagonist trying to like, you know, solve solve a, a, a bad problem. He's never too far ahead of the bad guys or like too too successful. He's an everyman. He can get hurt. You know, both John McClane and Richard Kimball like mm-hmm. get like physically beat up. They're like not superhuman. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Like I think Die Hard was like the proto version of those like really slick that's B movie into A movie. That's literally what this article says yeah. is mm-hmm. that Die Hard was the first, and it was '88. Mm-hmm. So technically not the '90s, but it got it started. It got it launched. Right. No, the- totally because a Die Hard directed by John McTiernan, who also two years later did The Hunt for Red October, which is another classic example yes. of these like thrillers for like genuine adults if in the early 90s. If anyone has any questions about The Hunt for Red October. Come over. Do you want to come over and play PlayStation? You, come over. Do you come want over to come hang over out. and hang out with us and we can just talk about The Hunt for Red October? All damn day. We'll, we watch that movie a lot. I don't it's know so good. Um, I love this movie. Yeah, so so I, I, I love this movie. Like, I can't, when we got Price's question, first of all, we high-fived because we were like, sweet, male. And then we were like, <laughs> double high-five. It's about The Fugitive, one of the best movies. So I can't believe I don't own it. I'm actually probably going to buy it like later tonight on on Amazon. I'm pointing at my television. He's pointing at the television you know, like you know. Look over there. Look at my TV. No. So it's so good. It is a comfort food movie for me. I love The Fugitive. For sure. It's so well made. For sure. But I think we make a, I think we've. Can you hear me? Yes. I don't. don't. So good. Yeah. God, Tommy Lee Jones was so good in this. Yeah. Deserved that 
Uh, 100%. Yeah. 100 Deserve the award. 30,000%. Like, he's one of the best actors of his generation. I don't care that he's a total grouch. I don't care. I love that he's a total grouch. Um, That's his thing. I love thing. that he lives in Texas on his ranch and is like, fuck everybody. I just, I fucking love him. He reminds me of my dad. Mm-hmm. Like, just... Press jeans and a shotgun. Press, just, I don't... Uh, just young people these kids today yeah i mean like really. i don't think he thought they were filming no country for old men i think he just was <laughs> living his life yeah, drinking like, coffee oh look they're, reading the paper having existential crises and they're like just fucking put this shit on screen man yeah yeah that's just an old man dealing with life yeah i okay so i think it's interesting that uh tom bryan also says that he thinks the weakest part of the fugitive is the whole uh, hotel ballroom thing. Oh, the confrontation at the end. Yeah, with the smashing the chair and the trying to kill two U.S. marshals. Like, dude, where are you going with that? Like, what do you think is going to happen when? To I'm saying this to Nichols. Like, what what do you where do you see this going when the the Chicago cops he killed a cop. He's ours now. He's going down. He's going. Whatever. What are they saying? Going down. I don't remember. Some of them. Ha. Ah, but they're very ch- Chicago. They, no, he Ch- killed a cop. Ah. And man. then they're like, and then and then he's like, arrest me. Um. Did you know that when you wrote this, we would just reenact the fugitive for you? Sorry, Price. In the except podcast? I'm not sorry. No. We're really not. Nope. Um. The. I, I just don't know where he thought that was going to go. I, oh, that was just yeah. sheer. That's that was, well, he got cornered. Yeah, he's like, uh, how do I get out of this? Uh, oops. Yeah, yeah. But then the perfect, so it leads to rooftop but battle. Then the perfect ending. Mm-hmm. We yeah. just like we talked about it. I may play it at the end. It's the perfect ending to the movie. It couldn't have been any better. It's funny and sentimental. Yeah, and and uh, it gives a full of heart. I totally agree. It is a wonderful ending and a wonderful moment, and it puts a nice little button on the character arcs that both yes. these guys have gone through yes. and their developing relationship because it goes from... Because they do start working together. Yeah, it goes from Gerard being a pure instrument of the law, like just catch the fugitive, to actually admitting he cares about this man's situation. Yes. Like, I think a lesser movie and a totally understandable fine ending would have been it kind of ends and everything's coming apart and you get that kind of wide shot of all the chaos and yeah. everything and, and then it kind of just bum, bum, and then bum, credits bum, roll bum, bum, bum. yeah but the little dialogue moment with them that ends it yep just takes it up perfection oh it's such i think it is like i it's a it's it's one of those just like perfectly made great great movies made after the uh it's done after the show the fugitive which was also amazing and also had the same character arc for gerard mm-hmm. And uh, based on the real life uh, murderer, murderer or maybe not murderer, uh, Dr. Sam, Sam Shepard, who may have killed his wife, maybe not, I highly recommend you listen to the um, My Favorite Murder episode on Sam Shepard because you're like, no, he did it. Did he? Did. Didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. And also not so much like the movie. Sam Shepard had a mistress for three years and also a kid. And, but then also you're not sure. And he had kind of a sad life at the end. And I don't know. Anyway, that's not important. Did Uh, you know that after the success of this movie years later, 
they remade and did another version of the TV show? Yes. Do with you, another one of my super honky favorites. He was one of your faves? Oh I believe God. it. Tom, uh, Tim Daly. Tim Daly, as Tim Kim, Daly was... Tim Daly played Kimball. This oof. show aired on CBS from... Uh, Mike Kelty Williams. Yes, Mike Kelty Williamson played Gerard. Yeah. Bubba from Forrest Gump. Yeah. That's cool casting. I know. It aired from October of 2000 to May of 01. Yeah. And then it got canceled. And Yeah. Yeah. Because what you going to do after... Uh, well, they left it on a cliffhanger. Well, what are you going to do after these two men in 93 chewed up every bit of scenery, spit it out? It's pretty bold to to redo The Fugitive. If the movie had never happened and then been like, hey, and, yeah. let's remake that show from 50 years ago, folks would be like, that's not a bad fucking idea. Why if not go for it? the movie hadn't made like $325 million One in One of the most profits. popular movies of the year it came out. Instant pop culture classic, quoted yep. everywhere, referenced in other movies. Amazing soundtrack by James Newton Howard. You're welcome, Jimmy to New my Ho. sister. He's the best. Yes, it's a classic soundtrack. Let's sing it right now. No. Okay. Um, okay, so I think we've wrapped it up. Yeah, I love this movie. Our, our answer is we can't help you. Our answer is <laughs> who is this? No, our answer is I think it's a great point. Seriously, in all seriousness, I think it's a great point. It's one of those things that might have just stopped the movie in its tracks and they kind of had to gloss over it. Yep. But it winds up working overall because it just, the movie itself is so good and keeps you going for so long yep. that it just kind of, it comes together anyway. It's I like mean, I said. I didn't know Nichols was the mis- bad guy for a while, did mm-hmm. you? So. I didn't trust that slick hair. Although it is frustrating. It is just one of those things. And we're, we're going to, if that's going to keep you from thinking that it's a perfect movie, then you're maybe a little too much of a perfectionist. Yeah. I, I, and I think it's a great point, but I wasn't kidding when I said I've, I have not thought about it. I've been watching this movie for a quarter century now and have never You're noticed old. or thought about it. I'm 704. Mm. So I, I look amazing. Um, well, no, I, I think it's a great movie and I'm, I think it just, if, if he'd called the cops, it would have yes. slowed everything down. So he just had to admit to the cops that he saw Kimball, kind of try and play it cool. He gets cornered anyway. Maybe I'll try and get in touch with Jeb Stewart. Yeah, Jeb. Jeb, if you're listening, what if I you probably tried, are. What if I tried to get in touch with Jeb Stewart oh and was God. able to? And he was like, what the fuck? Okay, so we right away, we got to decide. Are we going to approach this honestly? Or are you going to pretend to be someone and like call his oh, agent or something? Oh, you mean pretend to be British? Or anything. Or anything. Or just another person with just another name. You don't oh, have to go another nationality. I'll just, we'll see. It's your spy craft. We'll it's see. whatever you want to do. I am, I am quite, I am quite good. I, I know. All right. Mm-hmm. I think that we should do more of these. So if you've got viewer, God damn it. It just sounds right. It does sound right. Doesn't viewer mail Listener sound mail, right? If you Listener have just mail. mail. Yeah. If you would like to write us and talk about a film and have us talk about the film with you, then please do that. If you want to write us and talk about a film that we've already talked about, do that too. If you want to write us and tell us we suck, it'll hurt, but you're welcome to. Free country, man. Free country. So let's end with a couple hell yes. Do it. Okay. My hell yeah is the trailer for the Mr. Rogers a movie that's coming out with Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Daniel is not sure how he feels about Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers. I personally think from the trailer that he's nailed it. Um, it's based on 
a, an article that I started sobbing uh, three paragraphs. So you read it? Yeah. Three I, paragraphs I told you. into reading when Did I read you finish it? about no. When I read about <laughs> Coco, immediately when she met Mr. Rogers, she starts taking off his shoes. And I was like, that's it. I'm right. done. It's like, pretty. It'll I'm get done. you. What's the, what's the writer's name? Tom Junod. Tom Junod. And it's an Esquire piece article. called Can You Say Hero? Yes. And um, it's so the film is about uh, Tom writing this article and about how it changes him and his life um, with his this encounter that he has these encounters that he has with Mr. Rogers, who I personally think and I don't I, I value everyone's opinions. This one is mine. I think he was an angel, a uh, true angel. I, and uh, I do love there's a line in the trailer when his wife says when Tom's wife says please don't ruin my child <laughs> yeah right and I think that we all need uh, some Mr. Rogers in our life and I recommend watching the trailer and I'm definitely going to see the movie and also see the documentary uh, that is on uh, it's got to be on Netflix won't you be my neighbor yes, is what it's called won't you be my neighbor it's Just magnificent look it up. Mm-hmm. and you will also cry about that too mm-hmm. because Mr. Rogers was for everyone. So that's my hell yeah. Cool. I'm going to give you a short and sweet one. I'm going to call an audible from what we were talking about earlier. I'm a, My hell yeah is the Queer Eye episode with the Croatian dude, Kenny. <gasps> Fucking A. We're watching the new season of Queer Eye right now, and it's great because it kind of cleans you out at the end of the day. I also you think cry, that you go it's, to bed. It's my, it's, the, it's my five gay men version of Mr. Rogers. Yeah, it's thematically appropriate with your hell yeah. And yeah. we just watched the one with a Croatian dude named Kenny, just a sweet old dude who's been living in his ha- parents' house. And it's just a sweet episode with his family. And it was just a really uplifting one. Like, they're all, of course, really strong episodes. And they're really caring and considerate guys. But we watched this one last night and just, like, felt super good. We felt super, So super it's episode... Good five of the new season yes uh it's just an old dude named kenny uh, there's like it's it's an old man and there's rescue dogs i mean and come on for, for anthony fans you you get you get you some anthony so yeah watch the show it you know call your dad and then just go to bed <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, that's, that's my hell good, yeah. No, that's a good hell mm-hmm. yeah. I was going to say Queer Eye. It's an uplifting one, right? I've been wanting to say the Queer Eye. Is well, my, now where we go? Queer Eye is my hell yeah for like every week, but I can't yeah. do it every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, just watch Queer Eye. I went to my therapist today and I was literally talking about the episode and she's like, what's Queer Eye? And I was like, all right, yeah, we need some, we need to work on some stuff. Is she a time traveler? We need to work on some stuff with you. Where's she from? The Earth? <sighs> I don't know. God I don't bless know. Where, her. Bless her heart. All right. Well, uh, thank you again. Pri- 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 it's P. Rice. P. Rice. It's Price. Price. But it's, it's Price, but it's written P. Rice. Right. It's right. like Will I Am. <laughs> it's like that. I think it's very cool. P. R. Rice. I think it's very cool. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to email us, notseenthispod at gmail.com. And you can find us at notseenthispod.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at notseenthispod. Yep. And all of your uh, podcasting locations we yeah. are just recently Apple? added yeah. to google google yeah stitcher no oh wait yeah spotify yeah all of them and it, if you don't see one just ask just us. let us know and i'll we'll put it up there slap it up there fucking put it there okay now you sound dirty that was too harsh yeah that was gross i apologize to everyone all right we will see you next week for um something something daniel's gonna show me something. i'll show her a movie we'll, we'll watch it we'll happens. talk about it 
Mm-hmm. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a great weekend. Oh, where is that thing? See those hands, Doctor.